introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. To the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, look at this! To oh, Williams! Touchdown! You gotta be kidding me! Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we did it. It was looking dicey for a little bit there, but we did it. We got the whole crew back here once again. Took a little bit of time to decompress. And, you know, real life pops up every now and again. But we're back. Little ways out from the draft, which was really the last time we were already in here doing this thing. But we got everybody, the whole crew back in effect. QB1, my man, how you doing? How you been? Good, man. Counting down the days until daddy daycare starts at the house. So I'm excited. <laughs> You're excited now. Can't wait till we talk to you the next time. See if the right. excitement still holds. <laughs> right. You know, they use sleep deprivation as a form of torture in many, many situations. So we're going to so, see how you're holding up here after a little bit. This, this might be my last pod until training camp. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're going to be up anyway. You might as well come and record, you know. Right. <laughs> and uh, I guess, yo, number two in the order, number two to be having the babies this offseason, Miles. Oh, oh man. How you doing? How you been? I, I'm all right. I'm busy, man. I know, man. It seems that that's that's been a running theme for you this entire year. Just busy, 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 busy. Yeah, man. Luckily for you, I'm sure things will slow down once the once the baby shows up. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, that'll help. That'll help things for sure. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, my wife's just she's ready to be done. So yeah, yeah. Sometimes it bees like that. And, and Prince, I know you. I'm gonna leave you out. No babies that we know of on the way. That but, uh, we know of. How you doing? There might be a little yip you been? around already. <laughs> that again, that we know of. Man, it's, that, it's good to be back, y'all. It's been a while. Little Yankita or something. You just a, a, a gender neutral name, so you can be a Junior girl or boy. So <laughs> Miles said Yankita. Love it. Huh. Fed up, Miles. so before we really get into this thing and uh, i'm not gonna lie i'm not really sure what we're gonna talk about today but miles um why were you so mad about people not washing their legs today man Nah, it wasn't legs let's get this straight it's about people not washing their feet and and people telling me they they just wash the top of their feet when in reality, the worst part of your feet is the bottom of your feet. And people just feel like, oh, no, I'm good. What? There's a girl at my work today literally wearing, like, sandals. And I'm like, do you wash the bottom of your feet when you shower? She's like, no. I was like, what? So this Guys, is- can, I, can I jump in real quick? Oh, yeah, hop in, Prince, please. I'm shocked right now. I did, like, a poll around my work. So I'm, like, I'm like heated about this. Here's a problem that I have. With, hold with on, hold on one sec, Prince. Hold on one sec, Prince. But, Miles, so what were the percent? Because you said you did a poll. Like, so if I you just had to guesstimate what the numbers came out to, to don't wash the bottom of their feet, to wash the bottom of their feet, how did that split work out? So I talked to one, two, three, seven girls that I work with one of them said they do like vigorously wash their feet and the rest were like 
kinda. I was like, no. And one girl asked me if it was a trick question. A trick question it, you, that I walked away because how is that a trick question? You either do or you don't. So we've come to find out that, uh, okay, there's some I'm suspect hygiene class, at Miles' office. I'm, I'm sorry, Prince. I cut you off. I'm sorry, Prince. No, Go ahead. Oh, no, no, we good. We good. Sure we, we good. We so good? here's my problem with what – yeah, we good. This is my problem with what Miles is talking about, right? Because I've gone to high school, college, and now in, you know, being in the professional world or whatever, I always have either a coworker, uh, a fellow student, someone who just walks around barefoot all the time in the office, in, you know, in class or whatever. They're always walking around barefoot. So then when I'm hearing about a bunch of people who don't wash the bottom of their feet and then just they'll be walking around my office and be walking around like the world without feet on and then they're not washing their feet. We got problems. I need to talk to whoever Miles's HR person is and we need to have a few discussions. Oh, I, got about a, I got a meeting set tomorrow. I got a meeting set tomorrow. <laughs> so I'll be with you, bro. <laughs> I love, so Miles, you calling the manager, huh? That's that's they got you so heated you gotta call the manager? Yeah. It's about to get real. <laughs> I, 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 this is one of those things I just never thought about at all until this week on Twitter when people were like, we don't wash our legs, we don't wash our feet. I just thought that cleanliness, hygiene, whatever, was just kind of a, a standard thing when you became an adult. You knew you were supposed to put soap on your whole body and then oh. rinse it off and dry yourself off and keep it moving. So this week has been a bit, oh a bit my. shocking that this many, like, Professional seeming people just don't want to clean themselves. <laughs> but, it, it's but a bit strange. The, here's the thing, Jason. It's one thing if like so I know as as, as people in general, you know, we tend to uh, overdo it as far as the scents, you know, body sprays, all all that stuff that exists and stuff. If you want to have that argument, that's fine, right? But <clears throat> if you only take in a shower once every couple of days. And you're not even doing it right that one time. Why are you taking a shower? Why are you doing it? Just do it right the first time. And then if you want to have a discussion, you know what? I, I feel clean. I don't really I don't really work out like that. I don't really sweat very much. But, you know, when I do get in the shower, I know I'm doing my business. Then we cool. But if you're just going to get in the shower and then you ain't, you're not supposed to do what you're supposed to do, why are you in the shower? You're just taking a bath. To get wet. Yo, just to get it wet. does not clean you. It's not clean you, bro. <laughs> And just putting soap on you does not clean you. You no. got to rub. You got to rub. You got to rush that, 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 that top layer of, of grossness and grime and grease and all and skin cells and all that other stuff. It's, it needs to be gone from top to bottom, behind the ears. So, so JR, is this, is this an issue down where you at or is this like a Minnesota thing that we're worrying about right now? No, nah, I mean, they're exactly right. But down here, it gets really bad. Like some girls... They're like barefoot in the club, which is absolutely disgusting oh, to me. So, <laughs> yeah, so things can get really bad down here. Y'all have, have people getting STDs of the feet. Come on, girl. Yeah. No, we can't. We can't yes. have that, bro. Yeah, it gets really bad down here. So mm -mm. I understand, like when people get grossed out when people don't wash their feet. So it's really nasty. No, the worst <laughs> part is that. there are there are people in this world that are. That have, they like feet. Yeah, well, they yeah, need to go to, they taking that. They're, they're taking some chances right there. They're really risking I don't, it all. I don't, see, that's the thing is I don't. I don't mind feet, right? 
because oh, I, no. thought, I thought people were just mm-hmm. walking around washing their feet. Now I have to go back and reevaluate my okay. entire life what because are you, what have people you just done, saying they don't bro? like feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to reevaluate some things. I don't Everything. think we need to get into all that on the podcast. <laughs> all right. Well, we let Miles get that off his chest. And uh, now we're going to try to find a way to segue this, bring it back around, talk about football some way, somehow. And uh, I guess it's the news of the day, the ongoing news. The news has been going on for a little Jason. while here. We got more quotes. Adam Thielen can't run routes, Jason. No, we're not talking about that. We're not talking <laughs> about that nonsense. We are not talking about that. <laughs> we're not even breathing life into that foolishness. Adam Thielen can't run routes. Said nobody ever. All right, let's keep that moving. But uh, our man... Kyle Rudolph keeps making news this offseason, you know, be it his attire, be it his uh, significant other getting on the Twitter machine, be it him saying that he is a team player, wants to ride out his career with the Vikings, but also is too young to take a pay cut. JR, uh, what are your thoughts on on how this whole Kyle Rudolph situation has been playing itself out? Uh fairly loudly in the media this offseason. And what do you expect to be kind of the long-term resolution of things? Yeah, it's definitely a weird situation. And I just don't like how he's going about it uh, from his significant other to the T-shirts he wore coming into minicamp to just the stuff that he's going about it, especially with Kevin Stefanski wanting to run so much 12 personnel. He just has the understanding that there's only going to be one person on the field for whatever reason, and he seems to be really threatened by Irv Smith Jr. being selected in the second round when really they drafted him to be the compliment to him. And, I mean, he's eventually going to be his replacement just because Rudy's going to be 30 years old this year, I believe. So I'm sure he probably expected them to eventually get his replacement, but maybe not so soon and maybe not this early. And the Vikings have tried to find his replacement in the later rounds, but they were aggressive with trying to find his replacement this year. Uh, with him entering a contract year, but I think the Vikings are in a great situation because, yes, he has a $7.5 million cap hit this year, but they can let him go and they can get a compensatory pick or they can let him go via trade. So they're in a great situation right now. I just don't like how he's handling the situation as a whole, but it's very interesting that Ian Rappaport is the person that's leaking all this information and they share the same agent. So I find that kind of fishy with what's going on. So we'll see what does end up happening as far as the resolution for this whole fiasco. So Miles, you know, the Vikings did go and bring in your guy. You know, you, you were a, a a big proponent of Irv and uh, it seems to have Kyle Rudolph feeling some kind of way. Uh, This is the first time that, uh, that I've been able to really ask you about it on the pod. What are your thoughts about how all this stuff is shaking down? What are your thoughts on the pick and what it seems to be doing to Kyle Rudolph and his mentality about things since it all went down. Yeah, I mean, I love the pick, but I, if I was Kyle Rudolph, to me, this isn't – yeah, this is a guy that will probably take away targets from me. So that, that to me, is, a, is for if I was him, would be my biggest issue. But uh, it shouldn't take him off the field because the difference between Irv and Rudy, besides some of the athletic numbers and running uh, <laughs> after the catch – is more about how Irv Smith can can kind of move around all over the field. He could he could be an H back. He can line up in line a little bit. He can be flexed out, uh, just like Rudolph. But uh, but he's a little bit better, uh, at least at, at his stage of his career, a better blocker than than Rudy's been able to do consistently. Not that Rudy can't 
somewhat block, but uh, I think you could pair them both on the field at the same time. And I think I see, I see where Rudy's coming from, where he feels the writing is on the wall of they drafted somebody early. They haven't taken a, a tight end before. Uh, was it round four or five round four, five, I think it was uh, since Rudolph, which was, he was a second round pick back in 2011. So I get it. it it's kind of one of those, you've brought in all these like late round guys. So, He's not really threatened by anybody, but then they finally bring in a guy with a high pick who has high expectations. That kind of brings a little bit of a um, kind of put him in his feelings a little bit. It feels like, and then especially when he's going in, he's in a contract year, has no guaranteed money left on his deal. Uh, he's he's really kind of I don't like Jr. Said I don't believe he's really going about it the right way. Uh, he's really leaking things that he really and talking to the media and and saying things and. In a sense, saying like, "Why wouldn't I be willing to take?" He didn't. He didn't say he'd take a pay cut, but he basically said, "Why wouldn't I be willing to help the team by extending my contract to lower my cap hit?" But then, <laughs> the team tried to do that, and he was like, "Why would I take a pay cut?" And I'm, a, I'm, very, very uh, of the belief that uh, I'm on the player side when it comes to not taking pay cuts because get as much money as you can while you can because the league does not last forever. So get your money, Kyle Rudolph, but. Uh, you still need to be out here saying it. I don't. I just don't understand that aspect of it. Just let it go. Like let the things fall as they w- as they will. It really feels like he's trying to get the fans on his side to like help sway the the perception of of Twitter and media and all that stuff. But I, it just doesn't feel like it's working. It feels like it's he's kind of like hurting himself a little bit. Yeah. It. It. Yeah. It. It seems really weird, especially this early in the off season. Or maybe this late in the offseason, like at this point in the offseason to to be running this sort of media offensive where like just things keep leaking and popping up or I said I would do this or I said I would do that. And there's all these random things that are popping up. Like at this point, you're on the roster. Why not just go and compete, especially in a position like tight end where we know that more often than not, rookies take a little while right. to develop. Just go compete the likelihood is that you'll be able to go out there in an improved offense that wants to feature more tight ends. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's very strange the way that he's going about things. And this is for me as someone who thinks that Rudolph probably should have been cut or traded this off season, just based on where we were from a salary cap perspective. Um, yeah, I find it very yeah, bizarre how he's chosen to, to handle this whole thing. I guess Yinka, I'll, I'll bring you in here. Like, what do you think ultimately is Kyle Rudolph's like end game? What's he, what's he working towards? What's he hoping to, uh, to achieve with this? Do you think he's trying to leverage the team into locking him up and making him a Viking for life? Or do you think that he's trying to leverage his way out of town to potentially a better situation, better offense, or something of the, uh, along those lines? I think Kyle Rudolph knows the exact year he's probably, or the age he wants to retire. And that's not that's not this year. And he wants to. Yeah, essentially what he wants to do is he wants to get that last little bit of contract so then he can make the decision that he wants to retire. You know, I could envision Kyle Rudolph retiring at like a 32 or 33 years old, um, you know, just because he's taking the hits on his body. He's made enough money. He has enough you know, stuff saved up, all that stuff. I think it's more of the cases that he really wants to control his own. Uh, you know, his own career path and whatnot. And he doesn't want to become one of those players who, you know, he uh, is kind of on the, the, the wrong end of his, his, his prime and career and stuff. 
And then, you know, he bounces around to a team or two or he gets cut or whatever the case is. No, he'd much rather be the guy who came, got drafted by Minnesota, stayed in Minnesota, and his career in Minnesota. Very Brian Robinson-like. So um, I think he want, really wants to have a say in how he ends his career versus being one of those guys who um, ends up being washed towards the end of the career and kind of bounces around to a team or two and then has to come back to Minnesota and then retire. So, yeah, he just wants to have his own destiny in his own hands. And that's fair, and I think that most of us would want to do that. I'm going to give you guys rapid fire. Yinka, starting with you, give me one team. Uh, where's Kyra Rudolph going to be playing at the start of the upcoming season? Yinka, one team, go. Uh, I would say the Vikings. Okay, Miles. Minnesota. Okay, JR? Vikings, but if I had to pick another one, it would be the Raiders. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Raiders or Patriots seem like the, the most obvious choices. All right. Like that. Like that. Like that. And uh, it's been a minute, but you guys haven't been on. So, Miles and Yinka, you don't get to get very deep into analysis or anything like that. It's been too far away. But I want your draft grades for the Vikings because uh, we didn't get them after the draft. Prince, where you at? How do you think they did? Uh, I think they did a B. Okay. Um, yeah. Give me your favorite pick did. and your least favorite pick. Uh, my favorite and the least pick, favorite can't be the long snapper. Oh yeah, right. Uh, favorite pick would probably be Irv. Uh, least favorite would probably be uh, Garrett Bradbury. Wow! Wow! Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. So I said you weren't going to get to do a bunch of analysis, but I'm need <laughs> you to help me understand this least favorite pick. I here's my here's my thing with the Vikings as far as I I when I say least favorite, I, I'll clarify. I still think he's a really good player. I think he's going to be solid on the Vikings offensive line. Um, I guess I was maybe holding that hope a little bit more so on, on Pell Elf line to be our center of the, of the future. And I really wanted us to get a really talented uh, left tackle and have bookend left uh, bookend tackles for, you know, the foreseeable 10 years future, whatever the case is. And, and I'm just I'm just concerned that Reef will start to slow down even more so, and then the Vikings are still left at a revolving door at at um, on the offensive line, and uh, it just concerns me that that with Kirk Cousins that's going to be an issue. So um, I'm glad I'm glad they uh, addressed the offensive line early. Um, it's just that I I get concerned about about how it will truly affect the offensive line. So, yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Miles, what kind of grade are you giving him? Uh, I, I think I gave uh, like a B plus. I believe that for me is all about making sure the offensive offensive side of the ball got taken care of in this draft. And surprisingly, they actually did that. The first four picks were offensive players. So I'm pretty, pretty happy with that. Uh, favorite pick was Irv Smith, just because I think I think he was that fringe first round type player, and they got him at pick fifty. They didn't have to move up to get him. Uh, it sounds like they didn't even believe that he'd be there. So, uh, really big fan of that. He's my third tight end too. So, I uh, really like that. And then least favorite pick, more just because of where they took him. Um, I like how they I like how they traded back to do it. But the Alexander Madison pick is probably my least favorite, just because of they. They continue to invest in running back high, and, and then it just it becomes a revolving door, anyways. So I just don't understand why they need to keep doing it with a high a high round pick. But 
Um, like I said, at least they were they were able to trade back from 81 to 102 to get it done. So I think that that at least makes it makes me feel better about it. But I'm still not the biggest fan of it. They listen to the pod and they listen to me. That's why, Miles. <laughs> well, we're all doomed if that's the case. Well, I mean, so. But I mean, if they are listening, Prince, if you tell them that, you know, Rick, we Rick, we want to interview. Come on through. Right. That'd be dope. The more yeah. I think about it, though, the more I shouldn't be surprised. I, I kept all the mock drafts, all the things I was doing in the offseason to, like, figure out what, what I believe the Vikings should or could do in the draft. I kept pushing running back off because I just didn't feel like it was a true need. Uh, the more I, th- I should have known based off their history that once Latavius Murray left, they were definitely going to address it somewhat early. And I, I, it's just something I should have predicted because it it's predictable. So the position maybe you didn't love so much, but have you had a chance to, to watch any Madison? Like what are your thoughts on him as a player? Um, I, I, I mean, I think he can do a little bit of they – keep, they keep comparing him to Latavius Murray, which um, I think – doesn't really fit. I think the role makes sense, but I just don't think the style of player they are is quite there. I think is he a better uh, or worse football player than Latavius Murray? Well, I'm gonna say worse because he hasn't played in the league yet. Um, and I think Murray's been a pretty productive uh, running back since he, since he's uh, since Oakland and the the couple of years in Minnesota. But um, I believe he's got a little bit more of a different style. He's more of a battering ram type. He's a, a guy that guys are gonna bounce off of him. He's not gonna run away from people though. But uh, he's a one a one cut runner, which you like to see. It got pretty good vision. Uh, but like he, unlike Latarius Murray, he's not going to probably run away from people in the open field. Uh, he he runs a little more uh, stout because he's not six three the way Latarius Murray is. But uh, he can catch just a little bit. But his pass pro needs some work. Uh, but there there there's a there are positives there. I think if you needed him to step in and and take some carries, take. Uh, 15 carries a game. I think he can handle that and be a pretty productive and efficient. But I think the issue I have is when Dalvin Cook is healthy, I, we haven't seen the team use other running backs. So it just feels like it could. Be, it's more of like a an insurance than it is a he's going to be a part of the rotation. Unless I could, I could be wrong, but that's just what we've seen when Dalvin Cook's been healthy. Is they they don't really use any other running backs. So I'll be curious to see how that that plays. Miles, so then uh, here comes a question now. Uh, let's say Vikings, uh, Dalvin Cook's contract, what, it, it comes up next year. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? You know, you have this guy who you, who you drafted, who, um, you know, he's not, a, he's not a Dalvin Cook type player, whatever the case is. Are you going to go pay? Um, are you going to go pay a, a Dalvin Cook, or are you going to go, again, find another <laughs> premier back who you can uh, – I like the mouse just start laughing as soon as you said the word pay. <laughs> I mean, but I'm saying, but I'm saying Dalvin Cook yeah. will probably command a little bit of money. I mean, it's a legitimate question the Vikings are asking themselves. Dalvin so my, Cook. This, yeah, this is ahead. this is not a, this isn't a make or break year for Dalvin Cook for the Vikings. But if he wants to look at making uh, pretty good money for the Minnesota Vikings or any other team for that matter, he's really going to need to prove that he can stay healthy this season and put together a full season because. We haven't seen it yet, so we don't know the full the full extent of what he can do from for a from a fourteen to sixteen game perspective. Uh, if he can prove that this season, I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings were to look at potentially extending him next offseason. So, I, I personally, you know, my stance isn't paying running backs, so I think it would depend on what the pay number looks like. I'd have no problem extending him; it just depends on what that number looks like. But 
Madison really shouldn't stop them from wanting to keep Cook if that's their plan. Well, I'm, I'm just more asking in the terms of, you know, uh, you know, if, if Madison has a somewhat of a future role with the Vikings, you know, do you let a guy like Dalvin go and then slide another guy just in there rather than paying Dalvin? Oh, yeah. But I mean, if Dalvin not? is sure. – well, if Dalvin is your if, if it's your primary guy and he is really just, you know, your, your thir- really your third down guy or maybe goal line type situations, um, I'm just curious if, you know, if, if the move was essentially made because they are probably going to – you know, um, maybe not look to pay Dalvin in the future. I mean, I think it's a possibility for sure because, I, like I said, I believe it was an insurance move, whether it's Dalvin being staying healthy or not staying healthy or if it's moving on from Dalvin in, in two years, you at least have a guy in place that you trust and then can probably look to grab another guy complimentary back down the road. So um, either way, it's a, it's a plan for the, the now and the future because he's – has a four-year contract. So, yeah, I think a little bit of both. All right, I like it. One of the things that uh, that happened that we didn't really talk about, I know that people weren't really happy about, especially in the context of the Madison pick, that uh, the Vikings really didn't do much in the way of uh, bolstering the wide receiver core early. Uh, of the players that were picked, obviously, Miles, you're here, so we got to talk to you about it. Uh, do you see anyone that was picked in this draft class that has an opportunity to become a big contributor? Um, and if not, where do you expect that wide receiver three to production to come from this off uh, this off season, this next season? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like the guys they took. I wish I I've been saying and have been a proponent of them investing in the third wide receiver spot all off season, whether it's in free agency or in the draft, they didn't do it. Like I would have loved to see that pick that Alexander Madison pick be a wide receiver, but um, they chose not to do it. They could, and they could have gotten guys like Stanley Morgan Jr. or Emmanuel Hall in the seventh round, which is crazy to me. But they chose uh, BC Johnson, um, who I, I didn't get to until late. Him and Dylan Mitchell, I didn't get to late uh, when I was watching tape. But uh, both bring um, – to me, there's there's kind of that – like old BC Johnson has some of that – I'm not going to compare them as – like ceiling or, you know, what that, but I think playing style wise, BC Johnson has a little bit more of that Adam Thielen style to his game where I believe Dylan Mitchell has that uh, Stefan Diggs to his game where he's a um, make guys miss the open field. Uh, he's, he's quick twitched, stuff like that, where BC Johnson's that guy, that guy who uh, can run inside and, and outside from the, the slot and, and outside, but really good technical route runner, good hands. Uh, and, and, and he can play special teams. So I think, I think there's a little bit of that uh, really feels like they're like there's some comparisons there for me for their playing styles. But uh, um, I think for me, I like Dylan Mitchell because I think he can be a deep threat and I think he could be like a gadget style player if they wanted him to be. Uh, I believe there are some flaws in his technical game uh, running routes uh, and some route recognition and coverage recognition that I, I saw on tape. Uh, not too big of a worry because I think he's young, but I think he's a, he's a kind of guy that they could uh, that could have an impact on the team down the road. Not sure if it'll be year one. I really believe if the, between those two guys, I think BC Johnson has a better chance to stick early because I believe it's of the special teams ability as well as his ability to run routes at extreme pretty well, actually really, really impressed by his route running and uh, understanding of leverage and, and coverage that I believe he could, he could be like a wide receiver five or six on this team. But to answer your question about a wide receiver three, I'm not sure. Um, I, where I'm disappointed the most in the Vikings is that they didn't really bring anybody in to push a Laquan Treadwell. 
like if, if Treadwell had shown last year that there's some instance of like, oh, this guy could could be kind of a decent role player for us, I'd have no issue with them not going into the season and not looking to improve upon that. But he didn't do that. He he re- looked like whether you want to call it regression or what, he didn't prove anything last year and he just didn't play well at all. Uh, the numbers show that. The efficiency numbers show that. Um, and then they did nothing to to supplement that. They didn't even bring back an Aldrich Robinson. So um, I struggle with that aspect of things. It really looks like it's going to be – because Laquan Treadwell looked good in camp last year. Uh, I believe he'll probably look good again in camp this year uh, just because that's just what he's been able to do. Uh, I really believe it's between him and uh, uh, Chad Beebe, and I think uh, Beebe has the best chance. His issue is he's not really uh, an outside receiver, so he's kind of mitigated to the slot, which – I mean, it's fine because I think Adam Thielen can be an he's an outside he can play outside as well. So you could put BB in the slot, and we saw that against Detroit last year, where he played a few snaps in the slot, and they moved Adam Thielen outside. So I kind of like that aspect of it. If you wanted to go that route, uh, it's just how do you trust BB to stay healthy for one, and how do you believe that um, what we've seen that he could come in and be that consistent wide receiver three? What if you know one of Diggs or Thielen goes down for? A significant amount of time, you're kind of really hedging your bets on BB, Treadwell, Zilstra, uh, some of these guys to step up and and show something when we have seen literally next to nothing from any of these guys. So uh, I worry about that a lot. Miles, I'm with you. Uh, you know, we've we've talked a lot and agreed a lot about the wide receiver three position. I think it just I think it just goes to show that, you know, we might see the Vikings in, you know, 21 or 22 personnel a lot this season. Um, you know, they're probably going to have Callen and Irv on the on the the field a lot together. And I, I just worry about their overconfidence on how much uh, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen are going to be able to constantly contribute this year. I mean, we we've seen it that Diggs doesn't really survive the season. He's averaging probably around 13, 14 games a season over the last couple of years. So, I mean, to not have a guy like that, I mean, maybe they do truly believe that Herb can be kind of that um, that hybrid high wide receiver three, the second tight end, and really feel like he's going to add that much more where they didn't really feel like they needed to get a third weapon at wide receiver. That's sure. my hope, but yep. I think that I, I, I would imagine that was their their guess, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm still a little bit skeptical and um, hesitant on why they didn't address it. Getting a seam stretch, stretching tight end in Irv Smith helped me feel better about how, how things went because at least they did get another uh, true pass catcher. So to your point, I, I would love that to be the case. We just need to see it because the Vikings have been a big, a big thing about making sure that their tight ends have to be good blockers before they see the field. So uh, not that Irv Smith isn't a good blocker or you know, an adequate blocker. Uh, it's just that we've seen them not really – give young guys an opportunity to really see the field too often. Yeah. And that's, so that's one of the things that I'm, that I'm, that I'm curious about, like, you know, so they brought in Irv, Kyle's still on the team, uh, you know, JR, you know, with them bringing in the, the new scheme and, you know, potentially going to, to more two tight end sets, I guess, what are your expectations for how a player like Irv might be used early to get him on the field to, to, lessen the need for us to have to rely on a guy like a Treadwell or, you know, God forbid, a Chad Beebe or anyone else further down the <laughs> roster. <laughs> and I'm glad we're talking about this because I think that's who's going to be your number three receiver. I think it's going to be Eric Smith Jr. 
And I think that's probably why they didn't or they weren't so adamant about adding that third guy. And I still would have liked them take a risk on the guy in the third round instead of the Madison pick. I think he probably would have been there for them in the fourth or even the fifth round. Uh, but we'll never know that or the outcome of that if he was going to be there. But I think that's the way that they're going to use him. And I think they probably learned from their past mistakes with the Tyler Conklin and David Morgan and just trying to make those guys what they're not. And what I mean by that is more receiving threats as opposed to blocking threats. I think Conklin is more of a receiving threat as opposed to a blocking threat and then vice versa for David Morgan, of course. But with Irv Smith Jr., you can flex him out wide. You can put him at the hip or you can play him in line. So he's a true versatile type of guy that you can essentially treat like a tight end as well as a receiver, depending on however you want to use him. But I think most of his value will come probably flexed out more as a receiver just because he doesn't show to be very comfortable much as far as an inline blocker. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, just obliterate guys off the ball, or blow defensive linemen off the ball. That's just not his game. But if you flex him out wide, he's shown to be able to be able to defeat press coverage and win out on the perimeter, whether that's versus safeties or even nickel guys. He did that in the SEC consistently, and everybody has seen the film on that uh, when people have posted up clips, and he excels at separation, which is something that they don't have at the tight end position right now. But where he's really unique is he can get yards after the catch. It's not just prior to the catch point. So I think they're essentially going to treat him like that third wide receiver, even if they are in 12 personnel or even 11 personnel, if he's that only tight end on the field. All right. Well, we got to do that. Feel like we talked about enough, like you know, football stuff. Cause I got, a, I got, a, I got a question, Jr. And it's a very important question for you. And and and, and don't think I'm not noticing the timing of, of some things that are going on in real life based on you know what's going on on television. But um, Game of Thrones. How you mm-hmm. feeling about the season so far, man? What do you think about the last episode? I actually like it, man. I know it's getting a lot of criticism, but there is some unrealistic things going on. The whole white horse thing at the end of the episode of last week was kind of questionable that was a little bit random but outside of that i enjoyed the scenes um especially with hordor or um, the hound in the mountain i should say so i enjoyed that i thought that was really cool um i'm enjoying this last season i know i'm a, I'm a newcomer but I, i'm actually enjoying it i know it's getting a lot of criticism but i'm actually liking it okay miles That's what a, about you that- man how you feeling yeah, I I mean I think it's good. I'm I'm gonna I've been watching it and following. Um, I think just some of my issue is it really feels like they're they're really supplementing some of the story arc and some of the uh, the writing by just creating a lot of great visuals and and using the visuals as the way to kind of tell a story and and be the the lead. So like in the the long night, I loved that episode for for what it was because it felt like you were there and I really appreciated that. But the the story arc, the uh, and some of that just it just wasn't good. The uh, the plot was wasn't really there, and that's where I struggle with it. And then uh, I I just struggle with how some of the the character arc and the way they're trying to close things out. It just feels very rushed to me. Feels like they just kind of wanted to just get things done rather rather than just kind of truly thinking out how they could best approach it. And I mean, you you could see it in in how they treated the Jamie Lannister's character or uh, um, Danny's character and a, a little bit. There's a, that's, it's up for an argument for sure. But, uh, and then uh, 
who's the last like Tyrion? Tyrion's characters a little bit, and then la- the last one for me was kind of uh, who am I thinking of? Um, well, how they killed Cersei was. I mean, come on now, like I they 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 foreshadowed so much of like this story arc of someone like Cersei and the Valonqar, where you know her little brother was supposed to kill her and all that stuff, and and then she just dies from some rubble. Rubble. So I. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, just some of that stuff's bothered me a little bit, and just it just feels really rushed. But overall, I'm enjoying it, so that helps. <laughs> and Prince, how about you, man? Where you at with it? I know that you probably take a, a different lens sometimes, especially when you're looking at something like this. So, what are your thoughts on how this whole season has played out, where things are at, and kind of how it's all going down? Yeah, you you guys know I could probably have my own uh, podcast devoted to just this season, but. Um, I I wanted to touch on what Jr. said because I think his his perspective is unique. He's a newcomer, and I think what it allows him to be, and maybe what a lot of us should probably take in, is like the fact that we just like we love this show, um, and not to take it like almost too seriously, just because we've grown with it over the last couple of years, almost decade now, and. <clears throat> I think that, I don't know, I just, I, I found that to be a kind of a reassuring thing that like, hey, there are people who are still new to the show, even if they haven't started when it is. But my perspective is similar to, to Miles. Um, I think David and David, the, the producers guys, they are definitely done with the show. Um, HBO essentially was going to cut, cut them a blank check, do how many episodes and however long you need it to be. And they said six episodes. So, I mean, I think that shows that they are, ready to be done with game of thrones um and they're not going to do any of the prequel or any of the other um spin-off stuff from game of thrones um i thought i thought overall yes this this season has been rushed and i know that there's there has been some complaints i didn't actually hate the first two episodes like a lot of people did um but here's what i will say about what the show this season has done right because i know people are really pissed that the way that Jamie and Cersei and some other people died or whatever the case is. I think what I gleaned out of this season so far is just the nuance of humanity, because I think when it came to like, especially with a guy like Jamie Lannister, right? I don't care for this guy. Some people really love his redemption arc. I, I think he's an asshole. I don't, I don't like anything about him really, but here's the thing about him is I think he illustrates what I think the show is trying, the message the show is trying to get off, get off is that people are not all good and they're not all evil. Uh, there's a lot of nuance to humanity. There's a lot of nuance to people. People do selfish, good people do selfish things. Bad people can do good things, you know? Um, and I think that shows like Jamie pushed a kid out of a window. He kills his own family. He does this, he does that. But then also he treats, like a woman who he looked at as an equal and a friend with a lot of just dis- a lot of respect and honor. Um, Which until woman? The until the end. Which, okay. which woman are we talking okay. about right now? Okay. 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 Hold on. on. The come woman on. he left crying come in her on. house coat. He gave her a little something, something y'all. She would pass out in the sleep. Don't even act like he didn't. He didn't at least give her something. But anyway. He did um, that woman dirty. I, anyway, but like, no, that's what I think that's what I'm, I'm gleaming from this, this, this season so far is just how complex uh, being a person is and how nuanced it is. And again, the, we're not all good. We're not all uh, a bad. We're kind of a mixture of both. We do selfish things. 
uh, for the people we care about, also for ourselves. And I think that's what so far, if there's one nugget people take away from it, that that's what I want people to take away from it is that this, this, this people are, are, are nuanced and that's what Game of Thrones, that's why it's so, that's why it's so intriguing to us. I think what I'm taking away from this is that Prince is driven away from a woman crying in her house coat. That's what I, that's what I'm taking away from this. Side hey man, with, she was, uh, she was passed out. <laughs> siding with Jamie Lannister after the way he done Brian, Brian of Tarth. Uh, yeah. That was that was surprising, Prince, standing up for Jamie in that particular I'm, situation. Not really standing up for him. <laughs> just, say, just saying, I get it, right? That's mm, all. Exa- hey, yo, hey, hey, get it how you live, Prince. I understand. It's okay, man. You don't need to defend yourself with us. I we still don't. Here. I still don't think Cersei is dead for some reason. Oh no, she dead, man. Oh, she dead, bro. <laughs> <laughs> she dead, bro. Oh, you, see that, bro? you see that rubble? They're gonna, they, they gonna bring back zombie Cersei. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just don't think she's dead for some reason. Bro, man, they got one episode left. She better be dead. They got too much other stuff to <laughs> Yo, do. Man. You know what I was thinking? I, I, I was listening, listening to something talking about it. You know how Kyburn got got did up by uh, <laughs> by the mountain. That's one of the most hilarious deaths. Oh my but, goodness! But like uh, Cersei walks by, is like, oh, excuse me, let me, excuse let me, me. just pardon me, me. slide past you real quick. <laughs> what if, I really believe it would have been dope if the Hound had. Uh, had like stabbed her, had killed her, and been like, "This is from Arya." That'd have been some dope. Ah, I like been thinking about that. Like that'd have been so sweet. There were rumors yeah. that there were rumors that Arya was gonna actually be Jamie when she yeah. when they met up or whatever, and then she would unmask and kill her. But the thing is, I tell people with Arya, Arya is done being a uh, savior, right? She's she's not gonna kill any more important people. They showed and her vulnerability be- in this one I, for sure. I didn't like how they did that though. She went this whole time being a badass and the hound just looks at her like don't be like me. And she's like, okay, cool. You're yeah. right. Yeah, you're but, right. I don't want to do that. But to me that, that show that shows the true vulnerability of like her she's a she's still like a kid, right? So mm-hmm. it, it just like shows the idea that Hey, she's still a kid. She has a she still has a long future ahead of her for her life. I mean, I don't know what she's gonna do. Again, that's that's what that's what this season reminds us of Arya because we spent so many we spent the last seven seasons watching her be a badass, and then this season we finally get to see. Oh yeah, she hasn't gone through uh, childhood the way that she probably should have. She hasn't had things like her first boyfriend, her first kiss, her you know losing her virginity, all these things, being scared. We haven't seen her scared since like season four or five. So it's 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 reassuring to see her humanity come back to her, and that's what I took that scene as being. It's like she's getting a little bit of humanity stored to her, because otherwise she's just a no name girl. Brand Brand sent the Uber at the end. To it, come on back, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come on back. Oh man. All right, well, I got really nothing else. Was there anything super pressing off the top of any of y'all's head? Anybody got any upcoming articles, any work, anything you need to plug before we get up out of here? Uh, check out the Draft Board podcast tomorrow. Uh, well, today, I should say. I interviewed Florida State cornerback Levante Taylor. Be sure to check that out. Yes, sir. We will definitely be doing that. I, you took uh, yourself off mute like you were going to tell us something that you had coming down the pipeline. What's going on, man? Yeah, I, I apologize for people. I, I've been out, out of commission, Twitter, writing, uh, podcasting for a while. Um, I have a show coming up here in a couple of weeks, um, A Raisin in the Sun. Really excited about it. it it'll run for about three or four weeks. Oh, that's dope, um, Prince. Uh, May 31st through the 14th, I, I believe, of June. Um, so, yeah, really excited about it. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 
Sunday shows and whatnot. So I'll give more information later once once we get all the the information for marketing. But that's why if y'all haven't seen me, that's why that's where I've been at. That's dope, man. Definitely go check out check it out. Support Prince Miles. We know you just been busy, so we gonna let yeah. you go get some sleep, my man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, listeners, as always, thank you for sticking with us, gentlemen. Good to have everyone back. And uh, that's it. That's all. We will talk to you soon. Have a good one, everyone. talking about i don't know we'll figure it out as we go